0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go,
1: grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church, welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Hope you guys had a great holiday season. Happy New Year.
0: 2017, Michael. Happy New Year. Woo! That's right.
1: We're ready for a new one. May this year be better than 2016. <laughs> I don't know. 2016 wasn't all that bad. It depends where you live in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get right into it. We've got a great question that's been submitted. Do the Nephilim still exist? Oh, man. That, this, is a, this is a deep theological. We might, we might have to throw down here on read, this. Read the
0: follow-up question.
1: All right. And do they steal souls? Now, if you're not interested right now, I,
0: you must live under a rock. So <laughs> let's uh, let's go back to the text, and let's actually just read through the text, and then as we do it, we'll we'll draw some optional interpretations. We okay. go back to Genesis chapter six, and there's a group of people who come up called the Nephilim. Now, in the context of Genesis chapter six, you got to understand what is happening, okay? So in Genesis chapter three, we have the fall of man. Sin Mm -hmm. is introduced into the world. And the way the text of Genesis is written, it's organized in such a way to communicate in narrative form the negative effects of sin on the entire world. So by the time you get to Genesis chapter four, what do we see with the children of Adam? You have Cain is executing Abel out of jealousy own anger and insecurity. His own brother, brother against brother. Right. And we're starting to see the devastation of sin. By the time you get to chapter six, uh, sin has pervaded and disrupted every relationship, everything in the world. Right. And we get to Genesis uh, chapter six, uh, verse one, and it says this: When man began to multiply in the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive. Now let's just pause for a moment mm-hmm. because before we define Nephilim, we got to make sure we understand these terms. And the sons of man are. The daughters of man, <laughs> uh-huh. daughters are of man, clearly human beings, human females. Now, likely they are either meant to be just generically human females, or they are females who are not followers of God. Mm. The question mm-hmm. is, what are the sons of God? Yeah, some people
1: have said the sons of God are angels. Right, they'd be fallen angels. And there are people that I I know and I've met and I've mm-hmm. spoken to that they will absolutely argue these are fallen angels.
0: Absolutely. And the other alternate interpretation is that the sons of God are men. Just human men. Who are followers of God. And so right. here, here's the tension, right? The tension is that the, the text is trying to communicate to you the progressive nature of sin, that even the people of God cannot escape um, the force of sin inside right. of them. And I, I think, and I think we would agree on this, the sons of God are the God-fearing men of the day, the men who believe the truth about Adam and Eve and the promise um, that one of Eve's offspring would come back to crush the head of the serpent. Like The the, the men who believe this, um, they were filled with sin and they started to see the women who did not believe in God, the daughters of man. And here's what it said. They took as their wives any they chose, Mm. meaning they knew that they were not supposed to Um, marry these kind of women that God had a different expectation for them. Mm -hmm. So we get to verse four and it says, the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh and his days shall be 120 years. So some people have posited that the sons of God were angels, fallen angels Mm -hmm. who took on flesh, mated with um, human females Mm -hmm. and then created some super race called the Nephilim. Right. Right. Uh, the text does not demand that interpretation. That yeah, sounds and I, adorable. It, it
1: sounds like you and I are in agreement that <laughs> while that is a great story and could make a great Hollywood movie, yep, it, it's a stretch to what the scripture is actually saying.
0: Absolutely. So then many people have been actually confused um, when it says his days shall be 120 years. What's interesting about this is many people have said, look, humans will never be able to live beyond 120 years old. Like that's the limit. Well, the other understanding is that in 120 years, God was going to destroy the earth through a flood. Yes. And what's being communicated here is I am so done with this and I am so, even the people of God are Mm -hmm. compromised through sin. So here's the deal. I'm going to destroy this race because sin has completely 100% pervaded them except for Noah. And then we see that Noah was the one righteous man in the entire world that God had preserved. But then here's what it says. Verse four, chapter six, Genesis says this: The nephilim were on the earth in those days. So now, some people have said the nephilim uh, are the offspring of yeah, the, the super race. demonic angels mm-hmm. who are mating with human females, and they're creating the nephilim. The challenge is verse four has no necessary grammatical connection to verses one through three. Right. It's a point of reference. Hey, FYI, as I write the book of Genesis, we're going to hear about the Nephilim. People understand mm-hmm. it. And so he's making a reference. This is a time when there was this group of people called Nephilim. They were on the earth in those days and also afterward right. when-
1: There's the key to me, yep. it, also afterwards. Yep.
0: When the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. So some people have said again, look, they're connecting the Nephilim to the sexual relationship between the sons of God and the daughters of man. That's not what the text is actually doing. What it's what it's doing is saying the Nephilim existed in this time of mm-hmm. great rebellion before the flood. Right. That's important. And so uh, it goes on. It says these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Mm-hmm. And those yep. men of old, those men of renown, who do you think they were?
1: They were powerful people. They yep. were they were leaders, rulers. Of clans or or uh, tribes. Fierce warriors. Yeah, warriors.
0: So sometimes I think people open up the Bible and they try to make it worse than it is. They make it more crazy than it is. And the reality was that there were very, very large men who they called the giant ones. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, seven, eight feet tall, which is not even abnormal or crazy to think about. Um, there are people who are enormous sometimes. It, there are genetic disorders that mm-hmm. cause this. And um, so there's a group of people that people were petrified of called the Nephilim. And this is a point of reference to help people understand the time frame before before the fall.
1: And I love the fact that the scripture in Genesis is very clear to say not only were the Nephilim there before the flood, they were there after the flood. And those, that very same word, Nephilim and the sons of Anak are the people that are in the land of Canaan when the, the 12 spies go into the promised land uh, in the time of Joshua, the time of yep. the, the wilderness wandering, and they go in to spy the land and then they come back and they give a report to, to Moses and the other leaders and they say, hey, there's Nephthalim in the land, the sons of Anak, we are as grasshoppers. We read that in Numbers, we read that in Deuteronomy. And then in Joshua, we once again read that Joshua and the people of Israel have conquered the Nephilim. They have conquered the, the, the sons of Anak. And so they were there pre-flood. They're there post-flood. And they're
0: not an angelic super race. No. They're large people. Yeah, That's just Basically at the end of it. Kind of
1: like, you know, the Philistine giant Goliath. Or Shaq.
0: <laughs> but to make our point, I want to make our point even further, okay? So the whole flow of the narrative of Genesis, we'll say 3 through 11, is to show you the progressive nature of sin. Even when God resets the earth yes. through the flood, sin is so pervasive that all the way through chapter 11, um, the people of earth are rebelling against God, even after they had like a new Noah in Adam. And so Genesis chapter six, verse five goes on. Here's what it says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Man, that
1: sounds like today. That doesn't it? It <laughs> oh, is.
0: Wow. This is a huge warning to the power of sin, sin and and apart how it from Jesus Christ affects people. It totally consumes. And here's the point: the Nephilim are a point of reference to mark the pre fall reality that even the sons of God, the godly men of the day, were corrupted by sin to the Mm -hmm. point where they forsook God's calling in their life and married the daughters of men who were filled with this kind of evil. And God got pushed to a point where he said, I have had enough. Mm -hmm. And the flood is the result of this pervasive and rampant sin. Now, back to the question, um, do you believe the Nephilim um, still exists? And the point here would be, I don't believe that the Nephilim were a hybrid of demons and women and human women. So you women. and I agree on this. Yeah.
1: Now, now those that don't agree with us, those that would hold to the yeah. uh, a, a more superlative, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to think of a nice word to say, mm-hmm. uh, interpretation of who these people are, they would say no. And, and the, the people that I know that would hold to this, they say no, they don't exist today because we have a passage in Jude. Jude one six says, the angels who were not kept, uh, who did not keep their position uh, of authority, but abandoned their own home. These are the ones that that he, God, uh, has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on that great day. So uh, the people that, that I know of that hold to this uh, exaggerated position say, no, the, the Nephilim don't exist today because the angels that could procreate with uh, human females have been chained.
0: What's interesting about Jude is that nowhere does Jude say demons no. had sex with human women. No. And there are places in scripture where sons of God are referenced as angels. Mm-hmm. And there are places in scripture where the sons of God are Represent referenced people. as people. People. H- humans. Humans. Yeah. And when a text doesn't say they actually made it and had a super offspring, you just got to be really careful mm-hmm. to go there. And so I would look at all my buddies who believe the Nephilim were actually the product of demon, demons and women, and say to them, um, "It is always an inferential position, yeah. not an explicit position." Correct. I can look at the text and say uh, explicitly, um, "Sons of God" are translated in in Hebrew in the Hebrew Bible as humans and mm-hmm. son and daughters of men. Um, I can clearly designate those as female humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can also put this in the context of the flow of the increased corruption of humanity because of sin from Genesis three to Genesis chapter 11, my immediate explicit context supports this interpretation. If you're going to go to the interpretation that Nephilim are demons mating with women, that is not explicit in the text in Jude or in Genesis or in numbers or in Deuteronomy or in Joshua, it is always inferential. You have to take a a leap of faith to get right. Now, if they end up being right, okay, then you're right. But the text, I'm stuck to the text. And if the text doesn't demand it, um, especially if the inference is something that doesn't happen anywhere in Scripture Mm -hmm. and that does not seem to be a part of the playbook or the rules or the boundaries that God has permitted for angels, I'm just not going to be inclined to go there.
1: Everywhere else in Scripture, angels are neutral in sex. They're not male nor female.
0: Yep, and they're not mating with anybody. They're not not in relationships
1: with people. They do
0: take human form at times to accomplish certain things. But but it's temporary for the point of serving the people of God. So um, the the last part of this question, um, which – I'm just going to give a really quick answer. It says, do they steal souls? Clearly that is the result Re- yes. of an entire uh, legend that has mm-hmm. grown around the concept of Nephilim that is rooted, I believe, in an inferential and errant interpretation of Genesis chapter 6 and the book of Jude. Mm-hmm. And so the easy answer to that would be no. 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 The scripture they never, did, where would never they take indicates them? this. Like where would they take the soul? Yeah. you know? So anyways, I appreciate the question. I do too. Uh, it's really interesting. And uh, I think there are multiple people who are listening right now who have only ever heard the Nephilim are the product of demons and human women. Mm-hmm. And so if you believe that, uh, there are so many things in pop culture Christianity that we've heard and we, we've never really been in a position to challenge them maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never – just thought about it, and sometimes when you look at the text for the first time, and you let the text demand your conclusions. Yeah, let the
1: text speak for itself. Yeah,
0: it just dismantles. In my life, there have been so many things that I believed, and then I read the Bible, and I thought it was in there, and I'm like, that's not actually in the yeah, Bible. It's not really there. And uh, it's just a good practice to keep pursuing Scripture and letting the explicit teaching of Scripture inform your conclusions. And if your conclusions get too we'll say crazy and out there. Um, it may be because you're, you're reading something and you're not interpreting it accurately. Um, so for what it's worth, uh, what is our question tomorrow? I can't wait to. Well,
1: listeners, thanks for joining us today on the very first Monday of 2017. Ooh. Join us tomorrow. When we answer the question, how should Christians view lucid dreaming? Oh, <laughs>